Rohan. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boy! Welcome to the fourth episode of Readers of Rohan. My Gavanin friends. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am Jen. I am Shainatar, Lord of Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Russell, not Lord of Gifts, but Gifts. Tar Bergman, Gifts. Gifts. <laughs> we have to be very careful about that. Gifts. Yeah. Enunciate. <laughs> so, how's everybody doing? You enjoy that read? that pretty much summarizes it this is one of those ones where like if people actually could see us on video they'd be like oh okay now we understand that pause there this is one of those ones where i'm like oh god why the fuck am i doing this (laughs) well (laughs) yeah and so we initially had talked about doing two weeks together but then we ended up going a week longer between recording. And so my suggestion was like, let's just kind of break the seal again with one that may just be short. We can kind of get through it. And it, it's, I think for me, the hard part is that last, our last episode was so good. It was like such a great read. Yes. That this is like very anti-climactic. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. You go from the, of the rings of power to geography. For yeah. 300, please, <laughs> so if hey, I, I mean, not to discount the fact that there are people that really get into geography. Right. And I think so it helps to know where you're at and that kind of thing. If you're just joining us, um, please stop and go back and listen <laughs> to another episode because you don't want to start with this one. Yeah. But, you uh, will not be impressed. We have been covering the Second Age read-alongs. Yep. Ha-ha! <laughs> We've been covering the Second Age read-alongs that uh, were put out on Reddit. And so each week has a before-you-read, after-you-read discussion questions. And they have maps and genealogies. Geologies, because I'm stuck on geology and geography for some reason today. They actually did have some stuff about rocks. They do. They They do. Um, And you can find a week-by-week schedule and other details um, on our new site. We actually have a website now, Readers of Rohan. It's under construction, so please bear with us as we work on that. Uh, It's very not safe for work. Um... (laughs) Weren't you saying that, I don't want to drop kids' names, but you were saying that your oldest daughter was looking at it and it's listed as explicit? Yeah. Because we knew that we would drop some not safe for work language here and there. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been known to, to cuss a time or two. So. <laughs> so we're not like, you know, shut the front door. I cuss a little bit, but I, but I love, uh, Melthor, Melkor. Sorry. Melkor made me do it. <laughs> um, but yes, you can find this info and this is kind of our generic introduction every week, just to let people know if you happen to be new, um, but again, we strongly suggest that if this is your first listen, that you go back. If you don't want to go through the previous three, listen to episode three, because we that's a really great read-along. 
Unless you've already memorized all of the Silmarillion, and yeah. then you can jump in with us in Unfinished yeah. Tales, the I new saying, book we started this week. Or then maybe you should be doing this <laughs> Maybe podcast. you should be doing the podcast. <laughs> uh, my, my big pull, um, my big get from this week was, uh, there's a reason all those tales are unfinished. Because <laughs> some of them are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, and I... I mean, I guess it's like, I I like that it's there and that we have access to it again. But yeah, it's not all exciting reading. I, um, I could have skipped this week. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a couple of big things that I got out of it and we'll get to a little bit later. But I think, especially with some of the unfinished tales are now kind of more finished and they've come out as the great tales that we uh, can read now like Baron and Luthien and mm. the children of Erin and, and, and all of those. I'm, I know I'm probably butchering those uh, pronunciations, but I can, I can take these, especially like this week's a lot easier when you get into the spirit of, well, it's a translation of a previously unknown, you know, uncovered language uh, in the spirit of he, he wrote all of Lord of the Rings as if he was actually just translating it from all the Elvish and that kind of stuff. And uh, the ancient text, like the red book is actually something that was found type deal. So getting into that spirit of it a little bit kind of helps some of these much more uh, very first paragraph of Wikipedia type entries, <laughs> uh, favorite birds, the state tree, that kind of thing. But um, What it reminded me of was like um, when you take cocaine and you have that big burst of energy where you're like, man, I need to start a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then the next day you're like, God, what was I thinking? Ah, get all that. Uh, I, think, I think Tolkien was Tolkien some cocaine. A little bit more in his I mean, pipe it, weed. Wasn't yeah. it like, you know, it was all the rage then too. You know, yeah. It, the Before the 80s cocaine craze. Like Sherlock Holmes and uh, James Bond. Exactly. Uh, so let us know uh, what, please go check out the site and let us know, you know, if there's any content or information or that kind of stuff that you'd like to see there. Um, I am working on getting us a dedicated email as well. However, unfortunately, someone already has readers of Rohan at gmail.com. That is not our email Get out of here. It is not. Um, so if you send it to them, they'll be very confused. Maybe um, but <laughs> I'm going to find something so that when you submit a contact form to us, we actually get it. We could, uh, we could like take a cue from some Twitter celebrities and be like official readers of Rohan. Of Rohan. That's true. true. Real. The real readers of Rohan. There we go. The real. There we have it. I will do that as soon as we get off. The real readers of Rohan. I bet you they call it Rohan too. Yeah, I bet you they do. (laughs) I think we should just make our email address the entire um, speech. Rise, riders of fan. <laughs> I was actually watching that last night when I was working on the website because I was trying to decide, like, you know, how was I going to start it off? So it starts off as fourth Erlingus. 
That's all you need. Done. I had it. Boom. <laughs> playing and playing and and but it's the same thing, you know. Death. Death. Can we get a, a moment of appreciation for my man Carl Urban? Because he is just killing it. He's got the boys. Mm-hmm. He was in the Riders of Rohan. And speaking of which, if any of you are boys watchers, you saw last week's episode that there was a a Lord of the Rings uh, reunion. I mean the uh, the cherry aficionado. I completely (laughs) forgot that he was in Star Trek. He was Bones. Bones. Oh, 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 Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Denethor the second, son of Ixthalion. Yeah. Did I? I can't remember. Did I share my Carl? Or I know I've shared my Carl Urban story with you guys, but I can't remember if I ever, if I mentioned it here. I don't think you did. I haven't Shane, heard a Carl Urban story. Shane, Shane, if if you have not tuned in to previous episodes, actually got to urinate next to Denethor, like the heathen kings of old. <laughs> I got to meet <laughs> Carl Urban. I was. Uh, doing i was vending at a convention and it was the last day and i was exhausted and just i'd hit the point where you just get into the patois of like hi welcome to our cleavage you know we sell this and this and this and just kind of the spiel and i was sitting there looking at my phone and i heard someone go darth cleavage hmm and i started my you know yeah darth cleavage i make custom costumes and armor and weapons and i look up and it's carl urban and he was a guest and had just been wandering through. And, you know, I kind of like just sitting there looking up and like, oh, and he's <laughs> really good looking. Man. He's a really good looking man. Yeah. After watching the boys so much, I just want I just walk around with his voice in my head. And like, it's all I hear is when somebody makes me angry, I just hear, oi, cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I will never, never not hear Darth Cleavage. Hmm. In, in that voice <laughs> but by the time i realized who he was he was like around the corner because i was in a quarter unit and he was heading around the other way no. and i missed my opportunity you but. somehow one-upped me pissing next to denethor son of a i i don't know that you could one-up that <laughs> i don't know the only other the only other best dragon con story that would beat that <clears throat> one would be like if you like passed out or something and when you woke up uh Theoden was there and he was like, <laughs> I know your face. <laughs> Iceberg to the head. <laughs> Which that, that is definitely a story that could and probably has happened at DragonCon. Probably has. <laughs> I met Frohickey at uh, DragonCon from the X-Files. Ooh. Yep. Uh, me and my brother ran into him. The lone gunman. Yeah. So he was walking through the Marriott and he walked like in between us as we're walking out the door before they had the like turnstile type entrance and exit and so we're just walking out this is when we just showed up and we we didn't have hotels we didn't even have tickets we just walked around and <laughs> that's what i did uh, my first year too and uh, he walked right in between us and we both kind of stopped and did the cartoon like look at each other bro hickey we both said at the same time and we he went and talked to us for probably like 15 20 minutes took pictures with us that's and stuff awesome. too because i don't think we knew of the the, the rule Um, and he didn't care either. So I don't think he was aware too many people knew him. Um, but that was super cool. Yeah. He's remember the, the, probably everybody's favorite from the long gunman. 
I have not been, I've been to a handful of cons all over the country. I have not been to SDCC because I can never get tickets or NYCC. But I've got to tell you, everybody that I know who comes out to Dragon Con says it's their favorite con. And I just, I think it's the best. It's definitely the best that I've been to. Not only the scope of it, but there's like so much to do and it's so well run. I mean, it does get a little smelly. <laughs> and a little crazy <clears throat> in the evenings. Definitely not kid safe. Readers of Rohan is brought to you by Dragon Con and <laughs> listeners like you. Maybe we can uh, talk to the uh, the. Uh, don't they have a fantasy track? Yeah. I mean, like elbow them, like hey. Or at least like. Well, we, you know, we, we totally could do a panel. We could. I was just saying, we could actually put in for a panel for twenty twenty one. Especially that with that would be hilarious. <laughs> so especially with them coming up with the new series, yes, in what twenty twenty two. So that would be perfect timing. I think so. Okay, Uh-oh. guys, you heard it here. Shit. We're going to uh, <laughs> you've all and also join our Patreon to help us get to Dragon Con. Yes. <laughs> For just forty nine cents a day, you can help feed <laughs> Shane, Russell, and Jim. Uh, just pay separate shipping and handling. I think we're up to like eight subscribers. So. I think we are, guys. We're 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 up there, and we love you, eight subscribers. And we love that you're our friends and family. But we are <laughs> super excited to get out amongst <laughs> the plebeians, <laughs> among the rest of the society. True. <clears throat> hey, you know what? I will tell you though that I think like ninety five percent of our followers on Instagram are not friends or family. That's true. And we actually got like 12 likes on a post the other day. So I'm pretty, oh, yeah. I'm pretty ecstatic. <laughs> 12 whole American likes. I think they call that influencer status. Yes. <laughs> I think we are we are on our way. We are on our way there. We're really given uh we're we're really given Lord of the Rings the readers of Rohan bump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate it. <laughs> so um uh, other stuff going on. So uh some big news coming out this week. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the show on uh, HBO. Was it HBO or Amazon? I can't remember. Amazon. Uh, it's Amazon. Oh, is it Amazon? Yeah. It's Amazon. Okay. So the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon has hired an intimacy consultant. Um, when I saw this, uh, it was kind of like, the perfect job doesn't exist. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's getting the uh, R-rated treatment, is what you're saying. Almost yeah, like it's getting the Game of Thrones treatment. Yeah. Um, a couple things that I'm hoping for is um, a dwarf sex scene. Uh-huh. Um, Complete with beard? Yeah. Some orcish sex scenes. I want to see how that works. Ooh, I don't. Um, Nothing against orcs. I'm sorry. that I mean, that was very judgmental of me. That's speciesist that's, that's, that's literally racist <laughs> uh trolls maybe how do we so, feel about uh, this turn of events for lord of the rings the televised version I, the, I i have okay so my thing here is i never have expectations period i just don't my my only expectation is to be entertained and there are very few situations where I can't find something to entertain me. And since we're talking about something that is completely new, I mean, granted, they're going to pull from... And nude. And nude. There you go. 
uh, since they're going to pull from some pre-existing lore, but it's generally new content, I, there's nothing for me to compare it to. So I'm just looking forward to it. But I'm the, I'm the same way with Star Wars. So. I just hope we don't one day see that, like, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have been hired to, like, do the, the screenwriting for it. Hey, well, no, the first four seasons are going to be great. <laughs> and then you're going to Sixth and seventh will be the okay. End. They'll be manageable. But we'll just need to stop there. Yeah. Yeah. I, as long as it's not gratuitous, then I don't see a problem with it. At the same time, uh, since there again, the focus of our kind of book club here is this second age, and that is supposed to be the focus of uh-huh. the, the TV series. I haven't seen a whole lot of sex kind of jump out at me. Um, yeah, it's very non-sexy. But at the same time, they're you know supposedly going to expand on all of these works. So whereas we've got 10 pages, I imagine if you do expand it to hundred or even a thousand or something, then you could probably fit in a couple of romantic and intimate moments. If this, uh, if this, you know, really hits it out of the park and gets successful, we can all expect to see a Hobbit director's cut come out, you know, have some, some like, uh, Toriel and what was his name? (laughs) Oh, Keely, Toriel and Keely. Some, how, like, how, I'm making hand gestures. <laughs> he he stands on a box. Oh, okay. Well, I mean Shall that's I kissing, but like, <laughs> I mean horizontally, it shouldn't really matter. Right? I, mean, <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, let I'm me sure. kiss your belly button. And hey, I, that's you know, even though it's really not there, um, I do love that part of the Hobbit. Tario? Tario. The, Tario uh, the is love one of my pyramid. favorites. Well, not the the love pyramid so much, but how they play that off of with Thranduil at the end, you know, how hard and kind of stone-like he is. And then at the very end, you know, she's like, why does it hurt? And he tells her he doesn't know what she's talking about. And, you know, she's ridiculous and all that kind of thing. And and then when he dies at the end, she's like, why does it hurt so Spoiler. much? And he says it's because it's real. So I thought that was rather poignant. Yeah. That and I have a thing for the actor. <laughs> so, for for Keely? Keely? Or for, yeah. yeah. Apparently he's some... Uh, Aiden Turner. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was as popular as he is, but... Um, and I'm not... Hurts. I'm not one of those that's not my thing i'm not one of those people that's like you know here's my man crush of the week you know kind of a thing um but he's also wonderful in pulled art man crush of the week my uh (laughs) my advice to lee pace would just be be thranduil all the time because dude is like a six maybe like a six and a half seven without the Thranduil costume and makeup. <laughs> but he puts that on and he's like a solid, he's like an elvish nine, which is like a dwarvish <laughs> 15. <laughs> I I mean, I guess it depends. My introduction to Lee Pace was in Pushing Daisies where he's like very wholesome. Um, but then he's also done some other 
Netflix where he's not quite so wholesome. And he's got that. Somebody posted the this the other day with Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill's a decent looking guy, but there's he's not particularly noteworthy. But then you put a white wig on him and, you know, some armor. And he, uh, I think she said that he dirties up well. So that's, you know, because we talk about how men clean up well. Yeah, he uh, he dirties up well. Gonna take yeah. your word for it. <laughs> what you guys are secure in your masculinity? Hey, huh, I, I'll huh. give it to him. Henry, hey, he already Henry. gave him a, a nine, and, and I think you know that's pretty probably pretty close. Uh, I do what would think, that be? What would that be? An orc? Oh God, twenty three, <laughs> at least. Yeah, uh, I will say uh, Thranduil has been the most popular Lord of the Rings costume that I have seen mm. outside, like Gandalf or Saruman um, at Dragon Con. I don't, yeah. maybe this is the dragon con podcast. Uh, but in terms of, <laughs> in terms of costumes, I haven't really seen a whole lot except for, I, I seem to always bump into Thranduil and then I usually will see a Gandalf, um, or a Saruman. Yeah. And then <laughs> any number of elves. I'm trying yeah. to remember. I recently, um, came to know of a Atlanta based cosplayer, who he actually won the masquerade this year doing Glinda the Good Witch. Um, but it's Joshua. He he goes by Thranduarts, but he has an amazing uh, Thranduil. And I'm jealous because he uh, came up with the name of uh, Loft Lorian for his workspace. Nice. Yes, it's Joshua Duart is his name, and he goes by Thranduart. If you ever want to see a really, really amazing Thranduil out there, Readers of Rohan is brought to you by Thranduart, <laughs> DragonCon, and listeners like you. <laughs> the Annie C. Casey Foundation <laughs> <laughs> and the bequest <clears throat> of <clears throat> the Are Bill and Melinda the... Gates Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and some good titties thoughtful thoughts yeah that that uh getting back to the intimacy consultant thing um the the reddit universe was just on fire with memes <laughs> uh pushing out some solid memes a little a couple of my favorites were the you know what we need is a few good titties <laughs> you know i guess we'll see won't we I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Stick them in a stew. Like I said, that's the uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> that was pretty funny. It took me um, a second. I was like, what? Because I read yours first. <laughs> well, and then I'm like, I'm like, Shane is a huge like murder aficionado. So then he's going to jump in and point out that Dahmer preferred little boys. And so. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> um, he preferred uh, teenage Filipino boys. His main obsession was their torso. And he preferred a hairless torso. Meets back on the menu, boys. Hey. <laughs> Way to tie it back. Way hey. to tie it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Um, they also announced yesterday that there's going to be a new uh, Steelcase 4K <gasps> edition. I have bought the these film. goddamn movies like 12 <laughs> times. <laughs> but it comes with like a... Does it, did it, I, I hadn't really looked at it, but it looks like it comes with the One Ring or something like that. I couldn't figure out if that was a standalone thing or not. I just loved the covers of all mm-hmm. of the books. Um, like the... I still love the doors of Durin um, at the West Gate of Moria. Um, that's on the Fellowship one. God, it looks so mm. good. I still need to figure out where I'm going to put that in my house. Well, somewhere oh. I have Minas Tirith that came with um, the original, the very first like release of all the oh, DVDs yeah. came with a maquette. Well, basically what I've done is I've made a couple like investment moves. I have used my <laughs> children's uh, college savings <laughs> to purchase um, the uh, deluxe editions of The Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and uh, Unfinished Tales. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I'm probably going to have to mortgage my house. <laughs> uh, to get the other ones that I need, worth it. The set, yeah, totally worth it. Totally um, worth it. <clears throat> and 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 speaking of birthdays, Shane hey. has got a big bing, one bing, coming bing, up. Bing. So a happy early birthday to Shane as well. I am going to put on a ring and slip away. <laughs> Gonna smoke some old Toby. Yeah. <laughs> Have a old guy shoot off some fireworks. I'm just gonna find a. Just a homeless wanderer. You put on his hat and light these fireworks. <laughs> hey, where you're going, you could probably find that. Probably pretty good. There's probably several people there with the hats already. That's true. Speaking of which, I'm super stoked for my statue to come in. Shelby's gonna be pissed. Awesome. <laughs> I I am I'm super jealous. I the I going back to Thranduil, the Thranduil one they have is amazing, but it's six thousand dollars, and that I was just, I cannot. It's yeah. it's gorgeous, but no, I'm just not. You could that. literally pay Lee Pace six thousand dollars. <laughs> I could. Do you know what? House dressed as Thranduil. <laughs> yep, I probably could, or I could do one of those. What are the ones where you um? You pay them to like send you a video or cameo. Call. I could definitely uh, have my, one of those done. Was it my only, fa- my only fans? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Lee Pace's only fans. He'd <laughs> <laughs> probably get a lot more for less than six thousand. <laughs> only five dollars a month. What a deal! This is steal. <laughs> yeah, some of those statues uh, are nuts. Like the. Uh, uh, Fangorn, uh, the ant, mm. uh, tree yeah. beard. Oh my god, that one looks amazing. See, so, I'm, I'm currently paying off Baby Yoda, so ugh. that's I, I'm not going to complain. I just my made my my, first uh, payment. my fun thing that I got this week um, was a this a hand drawn Thor's map from mm-hmm. The Hobbit. Uh, this lady that in Denmark. Really- like does all the penmanship and hand draws the maps. And it was like $18 shipped. Like, I I don't know how this woman makes money. There must be like an insane exchange rate (laughs) in Denmark because I I couldn't believe that it was as cool as it was when I got it. 
It looked really, really cool. It does look good. And I, I will say that and my disappointment in a certain author um, has led me to change the theme of my kitchen and dining room to a, a hobbit hole from the magic school that it was. Which is an upgrade anyways. So yeah. it's just, you know, now I need to get maps and make myself a whole bunch of stuff to put up yep. in there. That's what Aw, I'm shucks. On. Get some maps. Aw, <laughs> shucks. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we're like 30 minutes in now. <laughs> um, <laughs> 90% of the last 30 minutes is going to be cut. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that we have on our list here is something that we kind of joked about, but totally agree we should do. And that is the Lord of Gifts Day. Gifts Day. With a T. With a T. As in yes. Tolkien. Gift. Thanks you have to, to hit the T hard. Fair Hugh of Anatar who becomes Sauron. Did, did we decide we, on, on a day? No. So if anybody has ideas as to like when that would be a great day. I mean like Shit. there's a world Tolkien day, uh, Tolkien day and there's like other things. But like I don't want to co-opt you know something that's an actual holiday not to be confused with world toking day yeah the hobbit up... weed has slowed your mind oh shit what was that meme the other day <laughs> your love of the halfling's thief um because I, I know we discussed this last time and i think i even looked up what the um, yeah, the, it of, was like the fall of Numenor was. Yeah, and I don't think we got an uh, an actual date because it was like mid March thirty ninety nine of the Second Age or something. So we can we can just pick something in March that works. Well, Tolkien Day uh, reading day is in March too, because wow. um, the spoilers the ring gets destroyed on March twenty fifth. <gasps> Um, so well maybe i mean i don't know mark it's your calendars kind of kind of, <laughs> kind of fitting isn't it yeah <clears throat> we so, will have to think on that and if any of our eight listeners yeah. um has a suggestion we would this like to do that hilarious. we'll do a giveaway and we'll do some fun stuff all right well i guess it's time to delve into this week's reading um but it may be a recap of last week the good stuff of the rings of power going from last week to this week was a bummer because last (laughs) week was so good (laughs) we get so much rich history and this week Mm. was so bad well i mean i i wouldn't say it's bad it's just it's like reading the encyclopedia you know not a fascinating story it was like (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with reading the encyclopedia it was like reading instructions from ikea yes (laughs) yeah yeah like i said it's that first paragraph or two from wikipedia so you learn about the nation's uh politics (laughs) and then their geography their major imports and exports (laughs) so the first part of this is um literally all of the kings well no the first part is the um well do we want to geography well yeah well last week's was the rings of power so how sauron 
creates the rings and how that all fall, shakes out and how eventually he's defeated. What happens and, outside the Achillabeth. Yeah. And then <laughs> we also got insight into um, his letter to Milton Waldman, which, you know, had some more details about that whole storyline. That letter was super dope. It was pretty cool. It went real in depth on how he perceived the world coming together and kept going and kept going. Like I write an email that's half a sentence and he writes a book. (laughs) I feel like I'm letting somebody down. (laughs) And I mean, it just, I mean, without really putting another 30 minutes into it, I mean, I would just suggest read it. Or if you're if you're more of a listener than a reader, get the audiobook or you know, go back and, and listen to episode three and yeah, think, especially you know, if you like the prophecy and the prologue mm-hmm. to the movies, go back and just flip to Of the Rings of Power and you get all that stuff. I did reread a little bit today and I kinda wanna highlight it because I know we discussed it. That I still think that there are more rings than we think. <sighs> That's what I thought too. It kept popping up. Like even after we talked about it and I think we all came to that same conclusion and we we're like, mm, and, but it seems like, cause he, he gets all the rings back and then gives them back out to other people. And that's how he, he takes the magic rings and then gives the, the seven to the dwarves and the nine to the men, that kind of stuff. And that was, that was something I, there again, I didn't really know beforehand. He gave uh, one ring <laughs> to a, a tiny Indian boy. And he gave one ring to a, a white teenager in a wheelchair. And then he gave three more rings to three other people. And when those rings combine, they form Captain Planet. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was like, where is this going? He just <laughs> went around making trees everywhere. <laughs> tree, tree. But I think I did oh. just confuse uh, the white kid in Captain Planet for the white kid in burger king kids club because i don't think the one in captain planet was in a wheelchair (laughs) i don't think so there was one in magic school bus but we digress yeah you killed it for me so this this week's reading has two parts the first of which is a description of numenor and the second, which goes through all of the uh, kings. The line of Elros. Elrond's brother. The first king of Numenor. So it's, you know, you're reading a travel guide and then a, <laughs> yeah, a list yeah. of presidents. It's just, see, you know, yeah. it's, we're, we're like in the index of your U.S. history book, except it's the, you know, Numenor history book. <clears throat> the diagrams it's not even the fun stuff and there are some interesting there are some um maps can i make a horrible confession and i'm Uh-oh. sorry and i will be i will understand if you don't want to be my friends i never look at maps hmm. when i read i mean i look at the map and then i read and i never look at the map ever again i just kind of i kind of looked at the map but i didn't study the map probably should have studied the map so I'm a huge map person because I love looking at maps and I love studying maps. <laughs> so I guess we're not friends anymore. <laughs> hey, um, hey no. just because we have different <clears throat> opinions on maps doesn't mean that we can't be friends, Russell. Just because you're an Eagle Scout. 
Hey, and orienteering was super <laughs> important to me, man. And I flunked out of Cub Scouts. <laughs> Which is not even a thing, I was so given, that takes effort. <laughs> I, I was given a dishonorable discharge from Cub Scouts. <laughs> or dereliction uh, of duty. So yeah, basically what I got out of the, the reading was it, you know, gives you kind of some, some maps to look at, gives you, um, you know, a little more flavor on uh, what Numenor looks like, mm -hmm. and then just kind of gives you a little, you know, some, some flair for each of the, the kings. Mm -hmm. Well, the description of Numenor, I mean, that, I guess that was kind of interesting, like, you know, what was there, but I think the part that caught me is one of the things that we talked about previously, I think it might have been the first episode, was how the elves wanted their cake but didn't want to eat it. And this kind of talks about those treasures and the riches and the skills that they have and that they they weren't really learning anything new here. Like mm. they had this great skill, but there was nothing with which to use it like they they didn't have enough precious metal they didn't have you know the riches and you know the 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 culinary delights and all that kind of thing that they had and so like their art and everything and their craftsmanship seemed to have suffered as a result here what they could have used is a few good taters stick them in a stew it does definitely seem like they kind of plateaued and i i liked it the description of the island because once you get into it it is more of maybe the people of Numenor because we know plenty about the kings at this point mm. and we know plenty about what happens to them because we read three different stories of how it happens and that kind of thing but we don't get a whole lot of what are the Numenorians like what do they specialize in besides seafaring and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and so it gives you a little bit but I'm also kind of reaching because it's still not the most interesting thing to read. Um, yeah. Although they had eagles though. Yeah. I do have witnesses of Manway, three eagles mm -hmm. written down. Yeah. There, there was, there's the mountain. So the Island is star shaped and there's this giant mountain in the middle of it. And no one ever goes up on the mountain except for four times a year when they celebrate their key times of the year, spring, midsummer, Thanksgiving, or like fall, excuse me, three, three times a year. Down, and but so, I cannot pronounce them. And Menel, Menel Tarma, I think is the name. Mm -hmm. the how you pronounce mountain. it? And the holy place. They go up three times a year and offer prayers to Eru Ilvatar. And it, I kind of got the impression that if people go up there any other time, these eagles will come down and attack them. Smack with lightning. Yes, lightning eagles. I'm just throwing it out there every single time they come up. I'm gonna get a shitty tattoo of an of an eagle with lightning. But we got to be careful these days because eagles and lightning bolts can be misconstrued. So maybe I'm just gonna scratch that very easily. Army of Balrogs is my lightning eagles cover band. Uh, My note here says that they became obsessed with their treasures from home. They had skills and tools, but no materials. And then I made a big exclamation point. I feel this. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my side biz is doing costume and prop fabrication, and I make all kinds of shit all the time. And 
I'm, it's like when I go someplace and I can't do anything for like three days, it, I, I get a little twitchy. So like, I can understand that. Like, or one of the things our larger social group does is have armor parties where people get together and build stuff together and you're in someone else's space with their tools and not your stuff. And it just like nothing ever gets done. I, it just ends up being socializing to me because I need like my space and my stuff. I mean, I probably spend more time reorganizing my shop than I do <laughs> making stuff. It's not true, but it's yeah. a constant battle. So I, I feel that in my bones, like having this skill and this desire and this passion, but not the raw material of what you need. Now, in my case, I tend to go, okay, cool. Well, then what can I do with what I have? And I'm, I'm, and it seems like they kind of eventually get to that, but reluctantly. Yeah. See, I have all of the raw material, but lack the skill. <laughs> yeah, I have. <clears throat> I wrote the same thing down that they had the the gold and silver and gems that they got from Middle Earth, but they weren't found natively uh, in Numenor. But I also wrote down that it was, and I found it interesting that they didn't wear swords, but they used yeah. axes and spears and bows, and they were actually well known for their archery, which kind of makes sense being a seafaring nation. Uh, to be utilizing those type of weapons as opposed to mm-hmm. range yeah. sword. I was seeing Vikings the whole time, mm. like long boats and axes. Yeah. Well, it also talks about how great they're great riders. Yes, horsemanship. They, yeah. I mean, everywhere they they were on horseback. Everywhere they went, if they weren't on the in a boat, they were on a horse. Yeah, and I also think it's it's interesting the star. So how, how often uh, a, a star itself shows up in anything having to do with Nomenor. Uh, it's founded by them following the star of Arendelle uh, uh, all the way to the island that happens to be star-shaped and is called Star Starland or something in like Elvish. Uh, everything has to do with kind of this whole That's star That's the roller rink that I went to when I was a kid. Starland? Starland. Yeah. Um, also my favorite level in super mario <laughs> but we digress sorry russell no that's cool because <laughs> it's going to keep showing up so mm. um that was that was just something like i said that that started because looking at the maps and then seeing how it's described and um if you if anybody has looked at some of the other items uh, that have come out from like his writings and his drawings and stuff there's a lot of emblems uh of the star and it being on the heraldry for the different Numenorean kings and, and the group itself. I mean, stars favor very, um, or appear rather, uh, very prominently in anything having to do with Numenor, even in Gondor that we see in the movies and stuff like that. There's the stars. So, Okay, so I've got a question, and, and we have not discussed this. I, I want to see... Uh, you know, if we're kind of on the same page about this or how far off we are, um, you know, the, the king that we know probably the, the most about from the, the readings lately is our Farazon, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, who are you casting for our Farazon? Cause I have one person in my head. I haven't even thought of that. Who would you choose? Or I'll give Russell a minute. I'm like, my, my brain's not going to even bend to that, mm. but I'm curious to hear. I'm going Daniel Day-Lewis. Ooh. 
So that's really I like that. Um, I could also see him for Ellendale, though. Yeah. Um, if if you know, win a good side. Oh, but I could totally see see him build a butcher up there. It, that's exactly uh-huh. it. Was build the butcher? Oh. It was like build the butcher. Daniel Day Lewis is our Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. So the the name because uh, I I don't. I don't know, because I could sit here. I'll probably think about it for the rest of the night, too. The name that immediately popped in my mind, I think I even mentioned it last week, was Jeremy Irons. Mm. Oh, yeah. So I could see him yeah, taking a good on or, kind of a or star role. they could just hire Gary Oldman and have him play all of the characters. Yeah. <laughs> I would be second age. perfectly fine with that. <laughs> Gary Oldman one-man play. <laughs> that would be... Somebody commented the other day that the man has, like... 2000 you know film credits or something to his name and he is distinctly different characters in every, every single, single one. one of them both you know physically and you know in his acting so good too yeah he's so good. they're all good i can't think of a bad gary oldman flick no. nope because mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking about it in my mind because i remember i think the first time i realized it was him or, or became a huge fan was the batman the the Christopher oh. Nolan Batman, and yeah. then I saw him pop up in, in uh, Book of Eli, and I'm like, damn, that's completely mm-hmm. different. And then I realized that he'd actually been in one of my favorite Harrison Ford movies, Air Force One, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, that's that guy. So I, I can he go back mu- even farther than that. He was in The Professional, and I can go back before that to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh, and we but, forgot. Um, uh, uh, the- Romeo was bleeding. He was Sid vicious. And, well, and of Fifth course, element. he's Zorg in the film Fifth Element, which is my favorite. I'd like to welcome you back to Gary Oldman Cast. <laughs> um, Gary Oldman Cast is brought to you by Dragon Con and <laughs> listeners like you. Well, uh, who would play who would play Elrond? Because he does not want to come back. So it would be a younger Elrond, right? I guess, yeah. I'm thinking like be. much younger. As an elf? Maybe. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, younger. I guess the question is... So he's like two thousand yeah. instead of like twenty three hundred or something. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, actually, the text. Sorry, I I just totally fucking did a well actually. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. actually, <laughs> um, the text said that uh, in the thirty second year of the second age, Elros was ninety. So, okay. Okay. He's somewhere. So they were born there. in the first age. The he would appear as a age. child to your eyes. Uh, who would be a good young? That was like Elrond. the only thing I wrote down from the, the Kings of Numenor. So um, it stood out. I'm going to go. I'm going to be every fantasy sci fi casting director right now um, and say, oh, Henry Cavill. <laughs> well, whatever it is, Henry Cavill. Discussion questions? Do we yeah, have maybe anything? We should do those. Yeah. Well, do we want to talk? Uh, I have a couple of things I'd like okay, to say about the line about of the, the Kings. I had a name and it escaped me. Uh, I, the only thing I really wanted to say about the line of Elros, I thought it was good because we got a little bit more insight into the specific lines or mm-hmm. the kings and stuff. I was not very impressed with the three or excuse me, two queens. There was supposed to be a third one. I was not a fan with how that was portrayed. Yeah, and initially I was like, well, were there no queens? But then this kind of pointed out that there were yeah i was i was disappointed because I mean, we only have a couple from the main lord of the rings we don't have i don't think we really have any in the hobbit uh we have primarily arwen 
uh, Lady Galadriel, and then we have Eowyn. Uh, Eowyn, thank you. And that's really it in Lord of the Rings. There's a couple more in there here and there, but it, it, at the very least, they're all like really badass. Yeah. Uh, but here it was very almost almost like petty. Um, but... Well, and to be to be fair, with the exception of Galadriel and Eowyn, Arwen has a very minimal part in the books. I mean, she's very subdued. I mean, she's not as much of the badass that they make her out in the film. She's not portrayed quite the same way in the right. books. I think you are all forgetting the 300 women clutching child screaming <laughs> uh, that were in the Battle of Helm's Deep. Deep, that's true. Back in the glittering caves. They're all listed out in the credits. Uh, <laughs> woman clutching, screaming, women, woman screaming while clutching child number one. One, <laughs> number two, two three, three hundred seventy-four. Yeah. So something clicked for me. Uh, the when they were talking about uh, Tar Palantir, mm. the last and then, great king, well, and how he had the foresight, and then mm. the stones, which I know we haven't really got to this yet, but the seeing stones are. The, so what the, you're saying is he was a gentile. He did not lose his foresight when he was a baby. No. <laughs> and he made some 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 stones. Yes. Well, he, he had some stones. He had some pretty big stones. Some pretty big stones. <laughs> <laughs> he had some great. Man, we're on, on fire this time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well. If your stones are on fire, please consult <laughs> one of our sponsors. Um, no, the, uh. the, the only other thing I had to say about the line of Elros was the, I thought it was very interesting. And uh, I think we've talked about it. Some of the other, other uh, podcasts where they talk about diminishing and they don't really elaborate necessarily every time what the diminishing means, at least from the, the, uh, mm. uh, the movie side in the books that he kind of goes into it. Diminishing actually means that they're growing weaker and wearier of earth and that sort of thing. So I thought it found it very, very interesting, fascinating to in the whole concept of these, these great men that were falling to darkness and to the shadow and they were no longer giving up their lives. They were clinging to life and they were no longer quote unquote resigning it voluntarily. And I thought that was something that was fascinating um, because you start seeing them become so afraid of death that they don't accept the gift of man or the doom of man. Um, and they try to prolong life beyond a natural, uh, natural, yeah. reasonable. And, yeah. There are a couple um, words that could work. Right. Especially when, you find out too that spoilers Aragorn, he lives for such and such a time and then voluntarily decides to lay down his life. And Arwen is not very super happy about that, but she's kind of cool <laughs> and accepts it and goes to Lothlorien. But we're, we're uh, going off on a tangent there, but that was something that I picked up because that is kind of the ultimate sign of their demise is, is their fear of death. And so they search for, uh, ways to cling to life and uh, I thought it was fascinating that seems to be human nature right like we can't exactly we can't wait to get there 
and then we get there and then we spend all of our time trying not to leave you guys are deep tonight <laughs> like i'm i'm turning 40 on sunday and you guys are really like <laughs> giving me like this existential dread <laughs> hey just if it makes you feel better first of all the key to that is just embracing the existential dread the other is that i am 45 and so i will always be older than you are if that makes you feel any better <laughs> I have no words of wisdom in this matter, <laughs> except do not try to cling to life, <laughs> but give it up voluntarily. <laughs> I will voluntarily lay down my life. I will diminish into the West. Into the I West. Will move and go to, into the West. I will move. I will retire to Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All right. So. We have previously read three different accounts of the Acalabeth, but are only now beginning the other Numenor tales, all of which are in various unfinished states um, because they were neglected by the Gondorian historians and laughed. Those bastards. And, and lost. So, favorites, interest? You know, I'm uh, as far as the, the three different accounts goes, I'm always going to lean towards the letter, I think. That's what brought it all together for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's there. It's clear what he meant, what he was going for. I mean, it's not up to interpretation, you know. I, I did like the, the kind of spin that the question put on it where it was, you know, kind of like some of the, you know, the, the history, you know, of other cultures where it gets to a certain point and then it just ends. It's just lost from that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just like it was, you know, the, that was kind of how they tied the, or tied a bow on the, the unfinished tales was, oh, the, they were just lost to time, lost to, you know, history. Yeah. yeah I, I have to say, well, I think, I think we had a, a similar question last week. Cause I think I cheated again and I said, I liked all of them. <laughs> um, Lame. Because I think they all tell a different perspective mm, and do. the Akelabeth is on the Island of Numenor and, of the rings of power is on middle earth at the same time. So you get to see that side of things, but I definitely think that the, um, the letter ties it really ties the room together, man. Um, and it also gives you his word for word perspective. So it's not any kind of, uh, over analysis on anybody's part or suggestion or, guessing it is literally his words about what he wanted it to be so i definitely think it's uh i I really i give the the props to whoever came up with this reading list in this style because Mm. i think it was a really good lead up of here's the story here's some background and and now you're going to learn about little tidbits of here and there and then now you're going to learn about what the professor wanted it to be and what he meant for it and then you kind of get to gauge about your mileage of how far you got to what his purpose was or, or how well he did type deal. Uh, and I, I thought, I thought it was pretty cool, especially for this to be just a background information. Mm-hmm. This isn't even the main story. So I, I would never make it through this without this read along. I just, absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I would have bought unfinished tales and been like, uh, and probably put it down at some point, pretty much like I did initially the Silmarillion. I would have so. put it down this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had it for two years and 
have not really opened it. I think I flipped to a couple of things, um, but that's really it. I'll read a couple of chapters here and there. I did do the whole Silmarillion, but that was the first ages. Well, like we said with the Sil, when I started reading it, once I got into it, I was like, okay. But then I put it down for some reason, and then it was like I forgot everything. So this, you know, I I think I might have been like, okay, well, let me see if this story is more interesting and maybe, you know, have gotten through some of it. But this is really making... I think it's just the process. It's a brilliant idea for doing this, Russell. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking it in small chunks and then like talking it out and digesting it rather than just going chapter to chapter to chapter, you lose yeah. everything. It's like your brain can only hold so much. And it's much harder to see those uh, patterns Yeah, that, that start showing up. Like I, but, I didn't even think about the star thing until literally today and I was rereading, I re- reread Akalabeth two days ago and I was just flipping through um, other rings of power while I was at the dentist earlier. Um, <clears throat> and it, it kept showing up the star, star. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. Party. I think just being able to, uh, like parse through all the information with you guys kind of helps me determine, okay, I need to hang on to this. I can let this go. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, you know, free up some, some hard drive space in my brain. Right. <laughs> I do want to say, as much as I'm loving doing this, I cannot wait until we get to the trilogy and you yeah, know, Hobbit yeah, and and even the Silmarillion because I know I know we need to do that one. Well, maybe we. Oh. I mean, I, I, you know, we don't have to be so rigid and going through the whole read along, so we can always hop around and do some things differently if we need a, a palate cleanser. Because this you- is this is some meaty stuff. It's heavy. Did you guys know that there is a book of poetry um, that is all about the adventures of Tom Bombadil? Yes. yes. That is fantastic. I burned <laughs> an audible credit on it today. <laughs> I Just do not that, have it. I'll have to put it in my car. I don't have it either. <laughs> it's like an hour and 30 minutes long. <laughs> it, I mean, it was like a $4 book and I burned a $15 audible credit on it and I don't even care. <laughs> it's Tom fucking Bombadil. Yeah. I it's Tom Bombadil. One of the, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons podcasts I listened to, they borrowed a character that was essentially Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. Is there like a D&D campaign in history that hasn't had, you know, some sort of Tom Bombadil character that's, that's in fair. it? That's fair. I mean, like, think Tolkien, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, this yeah. was one of my favorite questions that, that we had. Um some people praise Tar Palantir as the best king of Numenor for valiantly fighting a losing battle. Is there one that stuck out to you for one reason or another? Um, I will be really honest. I barely skimmed them. I just i had a I had a hard time going through all of them. Um, um, I like Tar Palantir. Um, he's the one that I most familiar with you know and I, I i don't know about the whole fighting valiantly fighting a losing battle thing but i do appreciate that he was he stuck to his guns you know the the one that stuck out to me and it could be just our you know the current state of the u.s uh, mm. political system but uh tar autonomy um he was the one that 
was the first to willingly, you know, accept the gift of of men and relinquish. I'm I'm reading about. I'm reading about this right now. I have we have it in our notes. And like, this is, is that is refreshing not... myself on that? And then it's like, oh shit! Just somebody willingly, you know, willing to peacefully transfer power. <laughs> I respect that. Right. Yeah, I did too. I I can greatly respect someone who realizes that their time has come and it's time to move on gracefully okay i'm trying to recall because i did not write down ha it's tara lindell um because i I think um so one of the other kind of motifs that i picked up on was tar palantir's fight against a losing battle Mm -hmm. Uh, we see it throughout lord of the rings and a little bit in the hobbit but also in the tales of the first stage from the eldar uh, and it's a recurring theme, especially with the Numenorians, is that they do wonderful and great things, and they eventually kind of fail. They they either fall to the shadow or they end up losing out um, on on their quest type deal. But there's always hope because there's always one redeeming quality for those that don't lose hope. Essentially, so with Numenor, we see Elendil and and his sons actually survive the doom uh, and. And actually survive and make it to, to Middle Earth. So I think he did the right thing. It was a little bit too little. It was arguably too late only because his he didn't have a son. And his daughter lost out to his nephew uh, in some incest. So I don't unwillingly. think it was. Unwillingly. Unwillingly, yeah. And I, I don't think it was a necessarily a lost uh, cause. Um but it, of course it turned out to be. So my choice was Tara Illendil, uh, because his oldest child was the daughter Silmarin, Silmarion, um, whose offshoot became the lords of the Andui. Anduni. 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 Whatever. Who, who eventually <laughs> gives birth to Elendil. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and his sons, Elendil the Tall. And Sailor under the leadership of Tar Elendil, uh, the ships of the Numenorians first came back to Middle-earth. And you Which do I, like your seafarers. I like my seafarers. I you, do. You know, somebody should have, uh, if they were looking out for, for Tar Palantir when he was fighting that losing battle, somebody really should have looked out for him and been like, bro, you got to get you some eagles, man. <laughs> they uh, they fix everything. They're like a total, like, Teach him to throw some fucking lightning. Boom. Like, you know, you, the chips are down. Like, you don't think you're going to make it? Boom. Eagles. Right. <laughs> Boom. <the> Eagles. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's like the, the power card in a card yeah. game. <laughs> Boom. Lightning eagles. It's like a reverse card in Uno. <laughs> I, need to, I need to make a shirt for that. Boom. Uh. Eagles. Well, that needs to be on our readers of Rohan shirts that we yes, wear at Dragon Con. Exactly. Or just on the yeah. back, you know, back. boom, boom Eagles. Eagles. Lightning you know, Eagles, motherfucker. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. If we all wore readers of Rohan shirts and sat at a table at Dragon Con, people would come up to us yes. and be excited. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, we just, like, even a small banner, not even a huge Kinko's yeah. or anything. No, we wore these uh, to Orlando for the event we went to down there. We had people just for, for those of you who can't see, he's wearing a, a oh, podcast yeah. shirt for the uh, no, no podcast. 
Yeah, I, I was I wasn't gonna bring it up, but I'll do a shameless no, go for plug. It, this is the uh, no outside food or drink uh, podcast uh, that I was a part of. I'm not really a part of any longer, uh, but I'm, I'm still a supporter of. Um, and it's just a, a podcast where we uh, discuss upcoming uh, games, and previous games. We play a lot of retro games. Uh, we're big time collectors, and so we spend a lot of time there. So we went to a Halo event about this time last year before the world ended. Um, and we, we had some shirts made, and we actually got a lot of comments and, and stuff. So yep. check out Readers No of Rohan. Readers of Rohan <laughs> is brought to you by DragonCon, <laughs> No Fodcast, Thranduarts, and listeners like you. So, um, yeah, you can follow No Fodcast on all of the other platforms, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. Go have fun. But back to Readers of Rohan. And our plans to set up a table and have a panel at DragonCon. <laughs> One of the questions you may hear at said panel would be, unlike the Eldar, most Numenorians had never seen a Vala or a Maya. Do you think that there are atheists or pagans? Excuse me. Do you think that they were atheists or pagans? And did they have any sort of organization? This, this was my favorite. Because you got to believe that there are people that are like, I ain't seen one, so, you know, or are they just stories? You know, my, well, that, my pappy told me about. That totally yeah. lends into their whole uh, suspicion and skepticism mm. of, because I think it's even, it's even a sentence that you require blind faith from us uh, that the Valar even exist, uh, because we don't know that. So... I could totally see that. Um, not in the earlier years when they trusted the Eldar and mm. those that probably were at least closer to generationally, those that had witnessed the Lords of the West come out and fuck up Morgoth and send him into the void at the end of the first age. Uh, but you know, none of those folks are around anymore. <laughs> One of the things that I thought about is, um, and I could be reading way more into this than, than I should, but how like a lot of uh, young cultures that are centralized around like one central thing, like seafaring, they, you know, usually tend to worship like the sea or, you know, a, a deity of the sea or a patron of the sea. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know if there was like a specific, uh, Vyar or Maya that was tied to like water, like Almo. The, I, there are, there are, and I've seen, well, I mean, there, if you go back and go through, and we'll get to that more in, I think later on, and definitely in the Silmarillion, where we start going through all of those characters, so to speak. And it's not quite the same way the Greeks or the Romans did it, but you know, they have their areas of emphasis, you know, which is kind of their gift or whatever that they have to do. But we do know at least from here that they observed this, you know, going up the mountain three times a year and giving mm -hmm. thanks to, uh, you know, offering prayers to Il Iluvatar. Um, but you got to wonder, you know, like I'm a generational Catholic, you know, my grandparents were very strict catholic my parents were pretty darn catholic i mean we went to church every sunday did confirmation and all that and i don't go to church i i mean i it's like 
it's an obligation. I, I don't, uh, that accompanied with the fact that I studied comparative religions. And after doing that, you tend to That'll not think right. you kind of question like, you know, Hey, this person says they're right. And these five other people think that they're right. You know, um, reminds me of the South Park but, episode where they get to heaven and they're like, Nope, the Mormons were right. <laughs> and for me, I mean, like there was some fun in going to church on Christmas because, you know, like when you were a kid, they would give you little stockings that had stuff in it. And, and I wonder if the younger or I don't even know if they're younger generations so much, but, you know, if the farther they got away, if it became more about the pageantry and the the practice than it did about belief in any way. I was listening to a podcast um, earlier today and they were uh, they got into a discussion on Catholicism and the whole thing um, leaned toward Catholic virginity. And the poop hole loophole. <laughs> See, that was not a thing when I was growing up, but. <laughs> I had never heard uh, that. I just thought that was fantastic. I, I didn't hear about that in relation to Catholics, but when I was teaching high school, there was a, a thing that went around for a while where it was being considered that if one, you know, Saints. Only implied the poophole <laughs> loophole that one was still a virgin. So, and I just remember the, the teachers were like, oh gosh, you know, what are we doing now? Um, moving away from that, Damn our final. <laughs> our, oh, I've, side, I've sidetracked this again. Our final discussion question, and it's one that I'm going to give it like a five second answer to Tolkien leaves a lot up to the imagination in his description of Numenor. What are your theories on the intricacies of Numenor's political, economic or technological structure? I don't have any. None. I just didn't. I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting. I accepted what was there and I haven't spent much time really, you know, considering those sort of intricacies. And I'm sure there are people that are very into that and want to kind of postulate, okay, well, I have this information. And therefore I think, and I, I mean, I just thought, it, I thought it was interesting. It was just, it was some background information. It's the same way I, I go to, you know, bringing up Wikipedia again, where it's like a person gets mentioned and I'm like, who are they again? I go to Wikipedia, spend a couple seconds. Oh yeah. Okay. And then I go back. It's just, it wasn't something that I felt the need to really delve into. The, the only thing that popped up for me and, and Russ, you may, you may have some insight into this. I couldn't really find where they talked about like uh, Numenor being like a densely wooded uh, island. Mm-hmm. So they talk all about seafaring and shipbuilding, but not a whole lot of mention <laughs> of where the hell they're getting the wood from. Oh. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, it. If I recall, it is briefly mentioned in um, the description chapter. So I'll I'll lead off by saying I thought it was very interesting that they have a discussion question that says there's not a whole lot of description on Numenor. And yeah. You just read an entire chapter that's yeah. literally tired the description of Numenor. Uh, but I kind of get what they're saying to your question. Like I said, I think I think when they're going through the five um, triangles, whatever you want to call those, off the star. The points. Uh, the points. 
Um, I think they because they go through like one's a tundra and one's, one's cold, yeah, one's cold, yeah, plain. one's a, a rainforest that type deal. So I think they kind of mention that there's some forest there, but that doesn't go into you know vast forests and they're replanting and that kind of thing. Um, I think there's maybe enough uh, there, especially in the description of the island, that you kind of get some of that stuff that you can draw from if you really want to go there. Um, because I did think it was a little bit interesting to there again, when you find out about they were good at horsemanship and they didn't have any gold and silver. So that's why they were so enamored with it when they brought it back from middle earth and that kind of thing. You kind of see, and even, <clears throat> even the two different factions within the, you know, the Kingsmen and, and the faithful and that kind of stuff. Uh, these are not new concepts. And so if you really want to, you can compare them to other events that have happened throughout history, which is exactly what Tolkien did. He studied lots of languages and lots of cultures and borrowed from that. And that's very similar. Um, so I don't have any problem with the brief description. Um, and I think it, it does do a whole lot to help build up the the image and the history and the background knowledge of Numenor. I think I don't think there were any remaining questions uh, other than, you know, how are we going to fit a sex scene in here? Um, <laughs> that's really, well, that's really it. That's you need to get yourself an intimacy consultant. That's, yep. There you go. See, they already no, planned for that. Lacking. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we did not have any problems despite our earlier concerns at filling in an hour of time at all. So um, we did it. And it was fun despite, despite our, or not, you know, being completely thrilled with this particular reading. Um, it it was actually pretty interesting. About 70% so. of what we have recorded tonight will be cut. Um, you can hear that by subscribing to our Patreon. <laughs> the lost episodes. The lost episodes. Yeah. Um, guys, it's that time. It's the time for the Elvish Phrase of, of the Week. Elvish Phrase of the Week. Elvish phrase. Shane, what is the Elvish phrase of the week? So I, I was in I was in a good mood, you know. Today it's you know heading into the weekend, birthday weekend, turning forty, um, and I found the Elvish phrase for "May you have joy and laughter," and it, it just it sounded so. Uh, perfect to me. So, and and that in in Sindarin is Savolas Alalaith. May you have Savolas joy and laughter. Savolas Alalaith. Savolas Alalaith. I just like that word, Lalaith. I like Savo. Yeah. Savolas Alalaith. Elvish phrase of the week is brought to you by DragonCon. <laughs> Thranduarks, no podcast, and listeners like you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another week of Readers of Rohan. Savalas a la laith. Savalas a la laith, everyone. I am Jen. I am yeah. Shainatar, Lord of Gifts. <laughs> and I am Russell. And you can find us on all major podcast networks, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of them. We now have our own dedicated website that is in progress, so please be patient. The Real Readers of Rohan. 
<laughs> well, actually, <laughs> the website is readersofrohan.com, but we are going to be writing at the real readersofrohan at gmail.com for, for any of those inquiries that you may want to send our way. Please subscribe and like us because like and subscribe helps us get farther up um, in the uh, the polls there and helps us get more viewers and hopefully subscribers. So we have tell your friends that. and family. Yes. Send us a message if you if you have a a comment you'd like to uh, relate to us. If you one of something that we've said has made you think of something and you're reading along with us, we'd love to hear it. And also uh, go ahead and let us know what day you think. We should celebrate Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, day on. And, and we would also like to hear any fun con uh, hookup stories that you have. Like, <laughs> um, you know, with a celebrity, uh, preferably of the Lord of the Rings franchise. But we'll take anything. I mean, we're not we're not greedy. Shane wants you to send him your resume for intimacy, <laughs> intimacy <laughs> consultant. <laughs> thank you once again for tuning in and we hope to see you next time fourth aerolingus fourth aerolingus rise riders of rohan